Welcome to the Elevate the Edge podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez of Lopez Research, and I'm joined with my co-host, Joe Peterson of Clarify 360. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Elevate the Edge is published bi-weekly. The podcast focuses on helping companies understand what edge computing is, how the market will evolve, and what you need to know to build successful edge computing strategies. Show notes and subscription links can be found at elevatetheedge.com slash episodes. We hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to Elevate the Edge. I'm Maribel Lopez and as always, I'm excited to be joined here today with my fabulous co-host, Joe Peterson. Hey, Joe. Hey, Maribel. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Here we are again doing Elevate the Edge. And, you know, this time we're actually speaking to somebody that we've both uh, spent a lot of time with at various tech conferences. We haven't seen her recently, but we're thrilled to be joined here today with Tamara McCleary. She is the CEO and founder of Feliamade global digital marketing agency. She serves as a technology futurist and an advisor to leading tech companies such as Amazon, Alexa, Oracle, SAP, IBM, Marsh McClellan, Mercer, uh, service providers like AT&T and Verizon, and the list goes on. Uh, we've actually spent quite a bit of time with Tamara at various tech conferences, so it's good to see her here on the program. She's also a research scientist technology ethicist, and recent graduate, just uh, May of 2022, of the Harvard University's Kennedy School, uh, and continuing a dual degree at Harvard Divinity School. So her research includes science, technology, artificial and general intelligence, and post-humanism. So all the things that you would find exciting and interesting and would want to cover today. Tamara, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be with you too. And you're right. It has been a while since we've seen each other face to face, but um, yeah, time's flying by. You were getting a degree. So uh, you were so <laughs> deep. You were deep in the educational and you were like, okay, I'll talk to you guys when this is over. And we're like, okay, true that. And here we are. It's over. And now we're talking to you. So um, I want to just jump right in because today's topic is on AI and the edge, uh, which is pretty hot right now for a lot of different reasons. Uh, the tech industry is filled with buzzwords. We talk about them all the time. We try to help people define them. Artificial intelligence and edge are both buzzwords that we hear a lot in the industry. Um, but I thought we could maybe spend a moment talking about how we should think about them together. You know, in one hand, we talk to people about AI and maybe they're thinking about it as large models running in a more centralized public cloud fashion. Uh, more recently, we started talking to organizations about AI at the edge for computer vision, robotics, real-time analytics. But from where you sit with all the work you've been doing, what's your take on where and how AI and the edge intersect and what are the benefits? Yeah, no, I think this is such an exciting discussion um, because this is where we're headed, future forward. And I think just so we don't, I guess I shouldn't assume that everybody really understands what edge computing is. It's it's a distributed IT architecture, right, which moves computing resources from clouds and data centers as close as possible to the originating source. So the main goal of edge computing is to reduce latency requirements 
while processing this data and saving network costs, right? So this is because data is processed locally. This is the key point here. And this is why I think it is so hot and why we're talking about this. And we get into some of the juicy stuff about privacy considerations, et cetera, later. But it's allowing the edge computer to make decisions in real time with just a few milliseconds, right? So we have a need for speed. Uh, Maybe that's a um, Top Gun reference there, but (laughs) computing at the edge is faster. So it's instantaneous computation. So you're thinking, think these things, low latency, low lag, right? And because we are getting information more quickly, it's increasing efficiency and safety, which is one of my favorite topics. Um, And, you know, in thinking about just everyday occurrences like autonomous vehicles, when your car stops on a dime autonomously as you're backing out of the grocery store parking lot because a pedestrian that you did not see walked right behind your car, this is edge, right? This is it. It's a decision in a millisecond and it just saved a life. So these AI applications would be totally impractical, maybe even impossible, I would say impossible, to deploy in a centralized cloud or enterprise data center. So, you know, due to the issues related to latency, right, bandwidth, and and later we get into privacy. So, yeah, I'm a little bit excited about it. Yeah, I think one of the things that's so interesting about this, too, is uh, in my world, I spend a lot of time talking to people about 5G and 5G is actually the thing that the coolest thing about 5G is latency. So people are really mm-hmm. starting to open their minds to the opportunity of if you have an extremely low latency network and compute power at the edge, what could you do differently? How would act, applications behave differently? What could be done that you couldn't do before? So very exciting stuff. Joe, over to you. Well, speaking about coolness, um, neural networks is pretty exciting if we're going to nerd out here a little bit, Tamara. And neural networks and the advances that we've seen in the last, I'd say, five years have really made some of the advances that we're seeing around AI and AI at the edge a reality. What can you share with us about that? Yeah, I mean, think about it. I just wanted to hit the little rewind button for a second. You know, take us back a minute, right? So, It was the investigation of image recognition that was the first domain where neural networks um, were successfully applied. But we've seen this technology really migrate to all kinds of applications, right? Um, Such as we're all familiar with chatbots. We use them all the time. Um, Navigation. Have you ever used Waze, Google Maps, Um, weather predictions? Um, One cool thing that I really looked into when I was um, doing my studies was uh, the pharmaceutical industry using um, edge computing to look at new applications for old existing drugs. So yes, it does work in creating new drugs and new applications and new drug discovery. But also think about all the drugs that have been on the market forever that we don't know that they have all these wonderful applications for disease processes Um, and are not being used for that because that's not what the drug was applied for. Um, So I could take us totally off topic on off-label uses, but anyway, we're using that in, say, the pharmaceutical industry and healthcare. Healthcare is a really big hot button for me because, as you both know, and whoever's listening may not know, is that in my former past life, um, I was a registered nurse. So 
um, as a clinician and working in trauma, life flight helicopter nursing, ICU, CCU, you know, all of these new developments, health tech is really important to me. And um, so edge computing is, is a really big piece there. Um, everybody's familiar with natural language processing and translation and language generation. That's all coming using neural networks. Um, and neural networks are really important because this is where we are growing. Uh, when we look at uh, AI, using neural networks is really kind of structured after trying to pretty much uh, create or at least try to duplicate how a human brain works and how we come to making decisions. And so ever since neural networks have evolved, um, identifying patterns in the data is really important. And these patterns are what I was kind of referring to when I talked about new uses of old drugs is really looking at symptom abatement as well as new discoveries that we didn't realize that certain chemical compounds could have with, say, like a cancer cell. So these identifications of patterns in data have become much easier as neural networks um, are so perfect for forecasting, forecasting needs and predicting. And the efficacy of deploying AI models at the edge arises from um, all kinds of things that we've been seeing in, I would say, you, you, Maribel, Joe, and I at these tech conferences have been seeing things evolve over the past, oh gosh, I'm going to date myself. I was almost going to say what year, but maybe I won't. Anyway, we've seen a lot of innovation that has, has taken us those next steps. Like, so we're seeing this evolution, this maturation of, of technology of neural networks. Um, and neural networks and the related AI infrastructure really coming to a point of allowing for generalized machine learning. And organizations really are learning how to tap into this technology and successfully train AI models and deploy them to be able to um, create efficiencies for them at the edge as well. And then we have advances in the computer, the computing infrastructure, right? So we have uh, more powerful distributed computational power to be able to run things at the edge. Um, we have IoT devices everywhere. And so I think this explosion of not only IoT devices, but ubiquitousness of them and the adoption of them. I mean, how many of us have... Uh, nests in our homes now and you know iot devices uh, or we're connecting our music or we're connecting um everything in our life and um my mind just explodes as i try to even think of an explanation of iot devices in our life right now but i can't even imagine that we have gotten to the point where we can't live without them and so now we have all of this data coming in from our IoT connected devices. And now we really want applications to be able to, you know, do things for us faster, make decisions for us quicker. And um, that's got to happen closer to us, closer to the device, closer to the IoT device, closer to the thing that's generating all of that data. 
Well, I think you already picked up on a couple of the questions I was going to ask you. Uh, one was about, you know, running neural networks at the edge. And we were just talking about how there's been advances in technology that allow you to do that. Because if you remember the original IoT days, you really couldn't run anything on those devices. So they were connected. They could report really basic things. But the concept of maybe running a model on something that would have been just um, a low power, low memory device, you know, we've we've kind of expanded beyond that. And now we have all kinds of technology at the edge to, to process. Now, that doesn't mean that everything is going to become a AI neural network edge computing superpower, but it's certainly because, you know, we could, we could just sprinkle that pixie dust on everything. You now have an AI superpower pixie dust and you're good to go, um, which sometimes it feels like technology vendor presentations are that way, right? It's like, right, okay, exactly. our latest AI enabled blah, blah, will solve every problem you have. But um, maybe we could, maybe we could step back again and I'll do, I, I can't do the little car reverse thing that you did so I'm just going to imagine that sound happening in your head. Um, can you share a few examples of what you're seeing for edge AI use cases? And are there any verticals that you really see where this is taking hold? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think is exciting is, you know, health tech, right? So using that in that industry and, um, you know, I, I just think about how, how impossible it would be for any application to process with any efficiency at all the infinitely diverse inputs from from say okay let's let's bring it back to uh, our everyday life someone speaking a request to Siri or Alexa or the diverse inputs from say facial recognition videos even text without an AI neural network right so um those verticals, how how I think that's changing is that when you look at, let's look at, are you guys sick of talking about COVID-19? <laughs> we're going to be talking about COVID-19, yeah. like when, like after we're dead, people are going to be talking about COVID-19 and how it changed right, the world. I, <laughs> I mean, I just think that's, that was so interesting how edge computing and healthcare, you know, speaking about that vertical in particular, we used it to read, understand, and interpret vast databases, right, of biomedical knowledge. And it did it in seconds. And it, what it did is it enabled researchers to rapidly map epidemiological data and biomarker genes and molecular targets and identify potential treatment options. That, do you, I don't know if you can actually wrap your mind around how long that would have taken us just a few years ago, like how long? Um, to me, it's mind blowing because, oh, again, I won't date myself how many decades ago I was in a graduate molecular physiology program. And I've got to tell you how long it used to take me just to isolate an enzyme. So it is mind blowing when you look at what we're able to do. And I think that this is a future trend going forward in this vertical because, um, you know, increased latency, reliability, security, mobility at the edge, you know, it gives rise to a host of new use cases, right? So you asked for other use cases. Okay, so for example, enhanced security solutions, right? That perform, oh, let's think video, video ingest and analytics at the edge that 
impact a number of industries as video surveillance, right? You think of like facial recognition, video surveillance, um, smart city solutions. So as video surveillance increases in prevalence, think about the data volume. Think about the data volume. Can you imagine the video surveillance data volume in say one train station? It's huge. Um, so number of cameras, um, you, we have improvements in quality of video. Um, edge computing can manage the challenge of increasing data volumes by breaking out the traffic and analysis on site and performing real-time analysis for monitoring purposes or to even trigger an alarm, right? That's the security part. I don't know if you guys have ever, you know, these tech conferences that we've been to, have you ever walked through those giant displays of a smart city solution and, and it's monitoring, 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 and it's picking out various suspected uh, potential issues or problems or security implications. These are the alarms. And can you imagine how fast that has to happen in order for it to do it in real time? Um, a cloud solution would never be able to meet the latency requirements for real-time processing and perform these functions at the edge. Um, so, you know, I think that that's, I don't know, sky's the limit, right? How many verticals do you even want to talk about? We have it all, right? We have, we have transportation, we have energy. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's mind blowing. I'm still stuck on the visual of Joe Peterson and I walking into some booth, putting some servers in our handbag, and the smart city solution going theft, theft, theft. <laughs> no, no. Have you, have you ever seen those? You grab a couple of edge servers and run out of the convention okay. center. <laughs> well, I, you know, my brain went somewhere else. I was going a step further. So they're going to have a donut when I walk in the smart city booth. I'm going to grab the donut, and somehow that thing is going to transmit to my scale what I just did okay that's like that's neural networking right there that's that's what's happening that's what's next real-time oh, analytics right. baby step away from the donut step away from the donut <laughs> <laughs> step away from the donut but you know Tamara you hit on something that I've been thinking about people are saying folks are saying that AI is going to decrease privacy and I'm going to be a little bit, you know, contrarian on that. And I'm going to say maybe it can actually help privacy by containing that data locally um, instead of spreading it everywhere. And maybe that could help with data compliance, particularly if you're dealing internationally, where some countries of the world have residency requirements for data. What are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. What are you hearing your peers talk about? You know, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation. Um, and there's a couple of, of layers to this. So, so first of all, let's talk about the privacy piece. And that is, you know, while doctor-patient confidenti confidentiality, we know historically has been kept to healthcare records. And here's the thing that I think is really funny, because lay people believe that they're private healthcare information is somehow kept and contained in this little electronic record. And it used to be a paper record, but what they fail to remember is that, you know, even though we have HIPAA requirements and whatnot in the United States, all of that information is shared with insurance companies, all of it. And then insurance companies can share that information in various ways. So 
our old way isn't so private anyway. I just want to tell everyone out there who used to think the old way was better. It wasn't that private anyway. Um, but the new way I think is more private. So yes, I'm, I'm very optimistic, um, Joe, that I think that this is a help and not a hindrance. Um, and I think that the health industry is realizing that the best way to gain insights into patients is to release the data that's most important, right? To be able to share information, however, anonymizing it, of course, um, and creating cross-reference files and enriched data, which ideally is used to boost patient care. Um, however, yeah, systems need to be put in place so patients can be confident that their data is being shared securely and that anonymized data is truly anonymized. Um, I think that edge computing does offer us a more secure solution because it's right. It's kept there. It's not going out everywhere, but while also not impeding progress, um, because I think we do need to share. Here's the thing. If we do not share critical information, and again, it doesn't have to be specific to a certain person, a certain person's name and identity. It just needs to be shared, say, with a certain cancer or a certain disease process. If we do not share that information, we will never find a cure. We won't. And that's our problem right now. And this is why the discussion is such an important one is that, yeah, there are privacy concerns, but do we realize that the reason we aren't curing certain disease processes, the reason we are not curing certain cancers is because we are all just holding on to our data so tightly and not sharing that we literally cannot let the AI do what it needs to do to be able to gather all this information and make associations and put two and two together to figure out cures and solutions for us. And so this is a problem. I think at some point we're going to have to make a decision. What are we most interested in? Are we most interested in curing disease or are we most interested in making sure that nobody knows that we have a disease? Such great questions, and I wish we had more time to explore them. You know, we're having a great conversation, <laughs> and I know, no, no, no. When you invited me, I was like, 20 minutes, really? <laughs> I want to talk all day. I want to talk all day, and and we we laugh and joke too much for the seriousness of this topic. But um, I thought maybe we could come to a close with what are the two or three edge AI trends you see moving forward in 2023? And then maybe Joe can ask you about your fun fact. Yeah. Okay. So not to beat a dead horse, but if there ever was an industry ripe for further digital transformation, it's healthcare. And that transformation is happening at the edge right now. So moving forward, edge computing devices are being used to monitor patients remotely, right? We're all getting used to this remote part. Automate the delivery of care, bringing artificial intelligence to improve the speed and accuracy of diagnosis, track even tracking vaccine supply chains, and more, right? So we can go on and on about that. Um, so if ever there were an argument for edge computing healthcare, um, where I think seconds count, right, between life and death, computing at the edge is a must. Boom, that. Industrial and business trends will continue to expand. Um, for example, I think we're going to continue to see growth and evolution of the use of edge computing in preventative maintenance. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. I think the um, industrial edge is far ahead of us, right? Industrial edge computing has been, I think, one of the forerunners. So it will continue, continue, continue to grow. 
Um, and with the use of IoT devices continuing to improve, they're increasing in sophistication and becoming more ubiquitous in every hand and household. I think this is going to continue to be an upward trajectory as well. The energy sector, yes, the transportation sector, I think we hit on that. Just think about how novel autonomous vehicles seemed just a few years ago, right? And now almost every automobile maker is rolling out vehicles that are harnessing processing at the edge, right? Everybody's got the automatic traffic control assist, lane changing, and of course, autonomous driving features. So boom, boy, we could go on forever. Well, Tamara, I'm going to wrap up with this. It's actually a question and not a fun fact. People may know that you're, you know, a brilliant CEO and a scholar, but they may not know that you live on a beautiful little farm in Colorado. How many, how many animals, specifically goats, do you have on the farm? <laughs> so now we have four. And their names are? And their names are? So we have Tulip, Amethyst, Oreo, and Atlas. Okay. And that's something that no one would ever know about you, Tamara McCleary. So thank you for sharing it with us. And oh, for now, welcome. I'm going to wave it to all the goats. Bye, goats. There you go. Bye-bye. I'm bye. so sorry you didn't get to ask me my fun fact about human composting, but that's for another time. Okay. We're going to have you back, definitely, because you're just too much fun. <laughs> too much fun. Too much fun. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, peace out from Elevate the Edge. Looking forward to seeing you soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe so you can easily find us again. Follow us on Twitter at Maribel Lopez and at Digital Cloud Gal and on LinkedIn. Links to our social profiles, show notes, and ways to listen to the podcast can be found at elevatetheedge.com.